speaking to you on part number three. You're worth it. Last week we spoke about watch what you hear. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And I love what the Lord says. And he said, and their righteousness is from me. Today we're here. You've come to this appointed place at this appointed time. You're in church. Either you came for two reasons. One, because you wanted to learn from the word of God. Two, because you came because you said, I am here. It is my duty. It is my responsibility. I'm in church. But today I want you to look at church in a different way. I want you to feel differently about what church is. I want you to look at it and say that I'm here today because it is my responsibility and my commitment to Christ to be here. If the scriptures say, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, what does that mean? That means that you come to this appointed place at this appointed time to learn his word. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want everybody's participation. Give me a little wave. Are you here to learn the Word today? Everybody's here to learn the Word. The next question is a very serious question. Are you here to practice the Word of God? Give me a wave. The next question I want to ask you is this. Do you trust God? Give me a wave. Many of us can say, yes, we trust God. Many of us have lived out our Christian life, and this is going to be a very, very serious, yet heartfelt message today. Because I believe it applies to all of us, but I believe that our families, our churches, our marriages, our, our life has suffered because we don't practice a simple principle. If the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper that no weapon formed against you will succeed. Why is it that we have allowed the enemy to continue to take us out on the battlefield? So say this with me. You have no right in the battlefield, Satan. You have no right in the battlefield, Satan. Because, you see, here's what's happened just this week. Do you know I, I decided to start preaching this message a month ago? And so as we're going through this, I have watched how the enemy is starting to attack people in their walk. Either your walk matches your talk, or you don't know who Christ is. Hmm, Pastor, you're starting. That's pretty deep right off the beginning. Well, if you look up here, it says you're worth it. Part number three, the bondage of debt. The bondage of money. So I'm going to ask you a question right now. How many in this room have a wallet? Do you have a money clip? Do you have a purse? Can you go like this with me? Hold this up for me. If you have something, and I know for some of you it might be heavy because you're carrying around $100 bills. I mean, I'm not. Uh, and uh, So anyhow, hold your purse up. I just want to see. So everybody in the room actually carries either a wallet, a purse. Now, I want you to do something, even the youth. If you have a wallet, a purse, adults, everybody. If you have it, just go like this. Hold it up high for me. Okay. Now, I want you to say this. When I ask you this question, I want you to answer by waving it. Do you trust God with your finances? 
Now say this, and I trust God with my offering. Preacher, I swear I only heard four people back there. I know that's what I heard. So let's say this again. Let's wave it again. I trust God with my offering. Amen. Now, let me just share, share something with you. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. So as we turn there, I'm going to just kind of set this platform for you. Because listen, hopefully this will be a message that you've never heard before because it's a message I've never preached. Yeah, we know all about tithes and offerings. But I really believe that this is what Satan has done. In the last year, I have watched churches in the Summit County area closing. I have watched churches close their doors. Why? Because Satan has people convinced that sit in the pew. That is not God's money. He does not own your checkbook. He does not own your wallet. He does not own your finances. That is a weapon from the enemy. Now, let me put it into perspective for you like this. I want you to rebuke those thoughts. Never believe it ever again. Because I really do believe that God will bless those that give back to Him. He said, Give and it shall be given unto you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a lot of stuff. And so here's what I think we do. When it comes time for offering, when it comes time to say, Here we do, I have preached messages. Listen, church. I have preached messages that said, You know what, today... Pick up your cross and follow the Lord. He says this, pick up your cross and follow the Lord. So we all say, oh, that's easy. I can go up there and I can pick up my cross and I can follow Him. Oh, we can do the outward demonstration, but we don't have the inward manifestation of living out our life for Christ. The outward demonstration, but not the inward manifestation of the Holy Spirit that leads us to live out our life for Christ. So I've come to this, I've, I'm serious, listen to me closely today, because I really do believe that Satan uses money as a weapon to trip you up in your success in Christ. It is terrible when you have no money to pay your bills. It is terrible when you live so strapped paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck that you go... How in the world will I ever afford it? And yet, here's what Satan says to you. How will you ever afford it? And I'm here today to tell you, you can live a life with profitability. You can live a life of prosperity. Oh, here he goes again. But let me tell you something. When you give, God gives back. And, and listen... I always tell everybody this. Are you tithing on your time, your talent, and your tithe? Are you giving what is owed of God? Are we really taking the word of God and just saying, oh, it doesn't apply to me? Teenagers. I love when my, my daughters say, my wife and I have to teach our daughters what it means to actually give. They'll, well, it's not my responsibility. I'm a kid, Dad. No, it's everybody's responsibility, and I'm going to show you that in the Scripture today. What does 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 have to say to us today? For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now watch this. If we back up, and it says in the verse previous, 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I had a man come to me once, and he says, You know what? I cannot believe I have made six figures. But every time, preacher, I make six figures, I seem to turn to drugs, to drinking, to women. And he said, and I understand the principle. I said, but let me ask you something. Are you doing it to sow seeds into the kingdom or sow seeds into your own life? Because it appears to me that what you're doing is you're working just for your own personal gain. He looked at me and he says, I think you're right. He goes, you know, I got to say this. I do love money. And I am greedy. I don't give. I love to stockpile it. Well, listen, church. Take it from a man who started a cleaning company with no income. Me. 22 years ago. And the principle that my wife and I practiced. Now, let me just back up, and I'm going to be transparent with all of you. Tithing was very difficult for us. I mean, you go out, you clean carpets, and you clean carpets, and you clean carpets, and you come home, and you got look at it. It's $250 you made. The house payment was $475. Wouldn't that be nice again? But anyhow, the house payment was $475. You're like, I don't have enough money. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, no. But the $225 I made, I have to give 10% back to God. Oh, hold on a minute. I understand that in the Old Testament talks about it from Nehemiah all the way through Malachi. But it also talks about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all the way through the New Testament too about tithes and about God loves a... Man, you guys are awesome. God loves people that love to give. And so we go, wait a minute. The house payment's 475. I made 225. This is difficult for me. I can't figure it out. Oh, so now I really only have $200 because now I've got to give $25 to God. You know what's so neat? And I love that when we sacrificed, listen, church, six months out of 22 years I advertised. And in 22 years, God has provided for my wife and I, not because we were out there advertising. It was because he knows my needs. Not my wants, but my needs. I am living proof. And church, when we take our, our wallets and we sit on them, and it only messes up your back because you've got all those $100 bills that you're stockpiling. And, uh, and my chiropractor said, you need to move it from the back to the front because I said, but listen, I have nothing in there but credit cards and a bunch of pictures. He goes, but Todd, look at your wallet. It's that thick. I go, I know because I have a bunch of little girls. I've got to show people I'm proud of those girls. And, uh, but you know what? We have a tendency not to do that because we are afraid. We're fearful of what the outcome is going to be. I can't make that house payment. I can't even pay the bills. How am I going to come up with money? And you know what God does? He miraculously provides it for you. And you go, that's impossible. Oh no, it's not impossible because all of you people have some God stories you can share. Now, the reason why I'm saying all this is to teach you a principle that I think is very important to our Christian life. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You don't walk in here and say, I'm going to give because it's of necessity. I'm going to give because it's the right thing to do. Now, stop for just a minute. 
the people that have walked in this church now, and, and I'm going to get to it not right now, but we'll understand what the storehouse actually is and what the scriptures have to say. And yet we give because this is the place where there's apostles, prophets, teachers, and we know that. And so it allows us to do the work of the Lord. So people get saved and lives are changed. So we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when we look at the scripture out of Isaiah where it says the weapons that are formed against us, what Satan does all the time is he wants you to live poverty stricken. See, if you're poor and you can't make it poor spiritually, poor financially, let me ask you something. I, I've, been, I've been there and I'll just talk about myself. I've been poor financially. And I know that feeling of, oh, God, I need you. But I also remember, too, getting on my knees and praying before God and saying, God, I need your help. And I gave, and I was obedient, but yet, God, I want you to bless. And God has done that because I was obedient, and we did it out of love. Have any of you in this room ever, not just done 10%, as it is recorded, but have you ever gone over and above? Because a sacrificial gift means you go over and above and go, I'm just going to give this today because I couldn't figure out why God was telling me to give $1,500 in my mind, but I'm going to do it today. If you've ever done that, and you'll notice that God will bless you as soon as you get home. One man says to me, God told me to give this figure. I gave the figure. I got home. I forgot to get Saturday's mail. Opened up the check. I opened up the mailbox. When I opened up, there was a check in an envelope. And this is one of the young men from our church. He said, open up the envelope. I'll just tell you this. He gave 150 There was a $1,500 check. I go, I was not even expecting that $1,500 check. I said, see, God was allowing you to be obedient. He was speaking to you, and he wants to use you. See, God can't use us when Satan continues to keep us in bondage to the debt of credit cards, to the debt of our home, to the debt that we have. Listen, God doesn't want your tip. He wants your tithe. And you know what we end up doing? I was telling the pastors this week in our meeting. I said, you know what, guys? I'm getting so sick and tired of going to the restaurant. And every time I go to the restaurant, they're telling me what I'm supposed to tip. I'm all confused here. Let, let me show you. So we go to Parisons this past week. My wife and I have lunch there. When was the last time any of you have been to Parisons? Well, Parisons is here in Akron, Ohio. And we've got them in Barberton and all over the place. And so my wife and I are down there off of Waterloo Road. The bill comes. And on the bottom of that receipt or bill or whatever you want to call it before we pay it and we add in, you know, all the stuff that they want us to add in. Do you know what it says on the bottom? I about had a heart attack. And after I gave it to him, like, I wanted to, like, play tug of war with her with that receipt. Give that back to me. She took it and put it in the drawer. But I thought, I have to have this for proof. And I was going to put it up here on the screen for you to see. 25% tip. 20% tip and 15%. And you know, what I you know what I wanted to do? I told my wife, I, I've come up with a great new theory. You guys ought to practice it sometime. You know what I told her I want to do? I'm going to start looking at that waiter or waitress, and all I want to say to ask them is this. Did you go to church this week? Then they'll give me that look. And one guy I asked who was a waiter, he said, no, because I'm always working on Sundays. I said, oh, okay. Do you give 10% to God? And if they answer us honestly, we can look at them and say, okay, we're going to give back to you. But what if, just what if they said to me, no, I don't tithe, I don't give at all. 
And then I'm going to look at them and go, yeah, you're not getting a tip today either. How well will that go over? And then I told my wife, I said, get this. Here's the thing that blows my mind. I'm serious. We will hold on to it because we want to go out to eat. We have to feed our flesh. But we won't feed our flesh spiritually by being in the Word, being in prayer, giving, doing the things we need to do. And so we'll starve spiritually just so that we can eat fleshly. And so I said to her, I go, you know what's amazing to me? Is that as I was looking at that 25, 20, 15, I still am blown away. Because most of the time you'll see like 15, 18, 20. Have you guys seen that? You know, but what, it's amazing to me that it starts off 25%. And then it goes backwards. I wanted to write my own in there. 10%. That's what I wanted to do. But anyhow, so as we're eating, we get bad service. Okay, you guys have been there. How many of you have had bad service? We've all had bad service before. And what do we do? The next move is this. Thank you so much. You have a super day. You come back and you eat with us at Parasigns, where you can have garlic bread for the next week because it's all over your breath. All right. And then we go ahead. We walk out. And even though we didn't get our drinks, we didn't get our food on time, we get there. And, you know, the first thing we're afraid of, I better tip. Because if I come back and she's my waitress again, she'll remember this face. And she'll put hair in my salad. She'll drop my lasagna on the floor. And so what do we do? We automatically, begrudgingly give that tip. Now, if you're a waitress in here, I appreciate what you do. You deal with the public, and I really commend you for what you do. But yet, what I think we need to understand is that we become... A slave, again, to money. I always tell people who come to me, when a person meets Jesus, everything about them should change, which includes the way he talks, the way he walks, the way he dresses, the way he lives, and most importantly, the way he spends his money. Anybody listening? Our wallet needs a holy touch, too. And when God has promised abundance, many church-going Christians are living lives of debt and tension. Why? Why is this? Because they have not honored God with their tithes and also their sacrificial offering. We are so worried. Listen, I have had people come to my office and I tell them, let me just challenge you right now. You keep telling me you're broke. It's because you're holding on to what is God and he calls you a thief. And if we're going to come to a church together, I don't want to be around a bunch of robbers and around a bunch of thieves. And you go, but pastor, where's that at? I'm going to get right to it. You need to hear this today. Our financial commitment is important to Jesus. He is concerned about your offering made to him. When in Jerusalem, Mark 13, 41 says, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Remember the tithe that you give me is not your gift to him, but it is your debt to him. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Very strong rebuke from the Lord, wouldn't you say? But how many of us truly tremble before the word of God? Non-Christians do not know this scripture. But how many church-going Christians truly listen to the voice of God and honor God with their tithes and offerings? Christians, church family, those of you who are hearing this message today, you must listen to me. Something su supernatural happens 
when you obey God and you give your tithes to the work of God. We get healing. We get deliverance. We get restoration in our life when we start releasing funds to build His kingdom. So let this message this morning bring deliverance into the life of God's people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let the enemy's hold be released in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be revival in the area of finances in the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen, Jesus also taught us that tithing must be maintained and accompanied by righteousness of life. So in 20, Matthew twenty three twenty three, it says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What he was saying there, and those words actually mean of your tithe, mint, money, of medicine, and of seed that was put into an herb. He says, but what you do is you continue to give what is of necessity for you, but not is what of necessity for me. We stockpile it. We hold back. And listen, church, I want people to pull in here in nice fancy cars because you've been giving to the kingdom. I am living proof. I'm not here just today to tell you that here's the principle on tithing. I'm here to tell you that if you have been in spiritual warfare, if you've been in bondage to debt, if you can't seem to get out of it, listen, it doesn't matter if you make 5000 a year, if you make 20000 a year, 70000 or 100000 a year, you give God what is expected of you and you will see blessings from God. He loves a cheerful giver. When we fail to obey God with our tithes and we become open to curses in our life, remember always, God promises to bless you when you unconditionally obey all His commandments. We need to say no to unnecessary and unwanted expenditures and be able to spend more for the building of God's kingdom. Malachi chapter 3. If you'll turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. It is the Old Testament. It talks about the payment of tithes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen, don't you just love when the Lord starts to speak? But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? And he said, you've robbed me in what? Tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me and even this whole nation. He says this, So bring all your tithes into the storehouse, into the church, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And here's what I like. I love about this. It talks about in the next verse, rebuking the devourer, the one who comes. That he'll open up the windows of heaven, that as you give, God will bless you. He said, he'll open up the windows of heaven and bless you with abundance. What a neat, neat principle. And yet we don't do it because we are afraid. And Satan uses the weapon of fear against you. 
I can't do it. 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 I just, it's so difficult for me. Okay, offering's coming. It's right there at the end of the service. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you become full spiritually, you'll become full financially. All I can say is my own life. I'm a man who has cleaned toilets for 22 years, who's been the pastor of this church for 12 years. We started on a deck. And if we don't give God what is His, then all of a sudden it says we are cursed. Cursed. Wow. Church, I want to release you today and relieve you of having that curse upon your life. How many of you want to move out of your home? How many of you say, I just want a new car? I I know this sounds bizarre to you, but I believe that the weapons of our warfare happen to do with material things in our life. We're not growing to be full spiritually because we're focused so much on the financial problem of debt, the bondage of debt. It keeps us imprisoned because of money. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. I love that. I had one man say to me, you can't ever preach on tithing. I said, why can't you preach on tithing? Because it makes it sound like you're loving money. And I said, I'm not loving money. If I'm going to preach every other principle in the Bible, then we need to preach on offerings, on God loves a cheerful giver. It says tithes and offerings. And we can't do the work of the Lord. Church, do you know last week, our budget is 2000 And many of you don't know this. Maybe I need to go back to the old-fashioned way where they put it on the wall. But our offering was 1300 Our offering should be $2,000 a week. It was 1300 last week. Now, if I were to be as Jesus was as he was sitting there with the treasure and he saw what people gave, if I saw what your Schedule C said and what your W-2 said, y'all would freak out. I can't let pastor see that. Do you know here at New Hope, just for some of you that are in this room that may not know this, a record goes to George Nushis' house after they tell her. It goes into a sealed envelope. A record goes to Leslie's house and George Nushis. We have two records just so that if something happens, God forbid, then there is a record there. But it's not here for me. So if you guys think that I'm actually going out to dinner and, and doing things with you because, uh, and people can say, oh, it's because they're the big givers in the church. My wife and I don't have record of that. But the question is this. Why is it that the IRS has record of what you make? And God keeps record of it. And you report it every year. And if you don't report it every year, what happens to you? They fine you. Yeah, you end up going to jail. But what are the consequences? Because God, the Father, isn't coming down from his throne. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand, isn't coming up to you and going, you've robbed me. What are you doing? Get your act together. Start giving. And and here's one else I think is a simple principle that people need to learn, either in this church or, or any other church. You're not giving to me. You're giving to God. As soon as that goes into the plate, you're saying, God, here it is because I love you. Here it is because you died for me. Here it is because people have gotten saved. Here it is because Steve got saved and he got baptized and went through the waters and his life's been made new. All because of a church that preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that a man's worthy of his hire. Well, don't you think a preacher makes a lot of money? I mean, he he drives that fancy Audi. It's $900,000. I don't drive an Audi. I just thought I'd put that out there. My wife and I pulled up to a gas station this past week, and one of my pastor friends, who's a pastor of an African-American church, and he's also African-American, I looked over at him. I'm like, Wow. I didn't know he drove a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. 
But you know what caught my attention? Every time I see him, he always has that diamond ring right here and that gold. I have an I am second $2.50 bracelet on. But he has this diamond, like, I mean, there's diamonds everywhere. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, preacher. Keep on preaching that word. You know, we have a tendency to say he doesn't deserve that. He needs to live a humble life. No, the man sacrifices his life. He gets on his knees and he prays. And he wants to see you guys come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's so rich and full. You know, all the years since we've started the church, my, my sincere desire is to see this congregation come to a place where you live a life that's rich and full spiritually. We sing songs like, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. We sing songs and we believe it. We get that good feeling inside, but yet we'll hold on to our checkbook. And because you know what Satan does? He loves it that churches are closing. He loves it that churches are suffering. He loves it that Pastor Todd will lay his head down because I am like a CEO in a business and I do ask the tellers, guys, what was the offering today? And when they tell me, there's times that I've been like, oh, and there's other times I'm like, God, you got everything under control. This is your church. You'll handle it. Really? And Patty, George, my wife, deacons, trustees, you guys have heard me say that. And we are blessed. But just because we're blessed doesn't mean you stop doing what you're supposed to do. And that means to continue to give to the kingdom. I love this story. Charles Komen, the founder of OMS International, nine months after he was converted, dropped his entire salary packet into the offering box while he and his wife were attending a missionary convention at Moody Bible Institute. He did not stop there month after month after month. He would give all of his income to God, expect that which he needed for personal expenses. So everything was God's except those that were his personal expenses. No wonder that God looked at his heart and gave him an international worldwide ministry. And he's now the leader of that ministry. Many grudgingly calculate their income and give it to God, but God wants a cheerful giver. The next time you go window shopping, the next time you're at the mall, See to it that you check out with God before you dig into your purse. Buy that which is essential rather than that which is attractive. And little by little, such petty expenses would draw you away from the presence of God. I had a man tell me, Pastor, I'd love to be there Sunday, but I have to work. In our society today, we've gotten to a place where church is just at the bottom of our priority list. And I want church to be at the top of your priority list. I want you to love to come here. I want you to see the word and to say, you know what, it's true. It says it in the Old Testament. Remember, I'm not just a New Testament Bible preacher. If it said it in the Old, it was good enough for me. Yeah, I understand we're under the grace, under the grace of God. The Old Testament was the law. But if it was said in the old, it was good enough in the new. So we know that it was prophesied in the old and it was revealed in the New Testament. And yet we don't embrace it and believe it. See, it's easy for us to say, I'm faithful. I am a trustee. I am a deacon. I'm somebody special. But here's, here's the, the key. Are we so indebted? 
Are we in bondage to debt that we can't even come together and worship God because we have to go to work? You know, when I lived in that mansion that was 9,552 square feet, that that corner lot, I'm teasing, never lived in a house that big, 2,800 square foot, that was big for me. I used to tell my wife all the time, honey, we got to get out of this house. I hate living here. She's like, why? I said, because all I'm doing is working. Man, toilets start to get boring after a while. And all I'm doing is cleaning toilet after toilet after toilet after toilet. I'm pastoring and I'm preaching and I'm visiting and doing weddings and funerals and in between cleaning toilets and yuck. Praise God for miracles. Because we got out of that house and moved up the street. And now we don't have that debt or that commitment that we once had. And I, can, I am so much more freer than I've ever been. Because you go from something like this to something like this. And God starts to bless all around. Can you go ahead and, and shut those fans off, if you would, please? So as we look at the Scripture, I want all of you to realize that it was the children of God And if we as children of God would sow our money in building His kingdom, then many would be able to come to church, hear the Word of God, and be able to go to heaven. Today I'm not talking about just giving your tithing, but encourage men and women to pour your money. I repeat, just pour your money profusely and plentifully to build churches, to buy musical instruments and many more things for the Lord's mission work and for the churches. If you have extra blessings, then you share it with others. Let them know what you're going through. Do not store it. Or we get rusted, but when you sow, your blessings would be multiplied. Think about the extra mixer grinder, the extra fridge, the things that are not used in your home. Give them away to friends. Are you planning to buy the latest car and get away with the old one, not sell it? Give it away to someone who does not have a car. Likewise, your laptop, mobiles, musical instruments, whatever. The Bible says in Matthew 5.42, Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Luke 3.11 says, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Do you know that our population right now is 6,814,826,683,000 people. Almost two people die each second in the world. And what are we waiting for? What are we going to do with the money stored in our homes, cupboards, lockers, banks, instead of sowing it into the storehouse of the Lord? So think about it. If Luke chapter 10, 2 says, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. John chapter 4, verse 35. Second Corinthians says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John four fourteen says, And when we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Tithe. Do not grudgingly read this message, but read it with sincere heart to know more about it and be delivered with the sin of disobedience. Tithing, I think people look at it and go, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I want you to do it because you love to. 
And I want you to do it because, listen to me, Satan wants to trip you up. Satan wants to attack you spiritually. Satan wants to attack you in ways that we don't talk about it, but I'll I'll tell you this. Let me just, I'm going to stop right here just for a second because I've got to read this to you. Because the Bible says that we must teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And tithing is a command from God. Charity is not tithing. Tipping is not tithing. Tithing is when you give to the work to build his kingdom. My cousin Brian came in this past week. And Brian, if you're listening to this message, I hope you'll appreciate this. He said, I was at a church. He says, while I was at that church, I could not understand why every time, and he goes, I was on staff. They're paying me a little bit of money. And he said, while I was on staff, I just kind of noticed that, you know, for, for years I've been trying to get out of this debt that I was in. My credit karma score was down. My FICO score was down. Everything was just a mess, and I couldn't figure out why. So he said, it wasn't until I left that I finally started to realize that this church I'm going to now, that because I've been giving and the pastor gets up and he preaches and he says, listen, quit being thieves and quit being a robber and quit robbing from God and give what is his. He said, so my wife and I thought, wow. And we were standing right here. This was just on Wednesday. And he said, so I I looked at Jen and I said, we've got to start giving. And he said, since I've started giving, God has opened up so much for my wife and I. I drive around to Hummer right now, and I can't even believe it. He said, God has blessed me abundantly because I've been faithful. I know some of you could say, I only make minimum wage, preacher. Then you tithe on minimum wage. But when, when he said, I started going there, he goes, I didn't realize until I left that the church had not paid the school that we were in while our church was being renovated. They didn't pay the rent for eight months. He said, then when I found out about it, he goes, Todd, the question for me is this. Isn't that a bad testimony? What does the church school board, I mean, what does the the school board think of the church? What have we done? He said, because then I looked at the pastor and I thought, you know what? The pastor didn't manage his own money well. So he couldn't get in the pulpit and speak on money to free us. And I want the church to be freed. I want our church to be freed. And we no longer have to give place to the enemy. Because you heard what I said. It is a curse when we don't give God what is rightfully his. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered you, that there be no gatherings when I come. So how do I pay this tithe? Nehemiah 10.31 says, Bring a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. Ten percent of your gross salary, not take home, should be paid as tithing. If you are earning 50000 per month, 5000 should be separated and given to the Lord every month. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Just let go. Listen, what, what does this demonstrate right here? If you hold on to money then what happens? As soon as you let it go, who can fill your hand up? God, isn't it just a a simple illustration? We hold on to what we think is ours because we don't have faith enough to believe that God will bless us. Wow, that's the premise of our Christian life. And yet, I, I just feel like I'm so passionate about this because... Yes, it is something that I don't always talk about, but I believe that it's important because many of you, 
you like it comfortable in here. Because you'll say to me, preacher, it's really cold in this sanctuary. Preacher, it's really hot in here. Preacher, can we turn the fan on? Can we turn the fan off? Can we turn the lights up? Can we turn the lights down? Can we have padded seats? Do we not have to sit on a bench? Can we have the comforts that every other church has? Because if you don't provide those comforts for me, I'm out of here. And then I so kindly say, have you been giving your part? Oh, that sounds just like every other church member. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I want, 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 I want. And then God looks and goes, who are you again? So our faith needs to start just out of obedience. When I was a young man, my mom was explaining to me how to get to heaven, how to come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. That first step of faith is what? Believing. Faith is the substance of things hoped, evidence of things hoped for. Uh, whatever it is, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. <laughs> Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. I believe that's it. Listen closely. Nehemiah eighteen twenty six. Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I ha- have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of tithe. And more also, on every increase in the form of bonus and other benefits, also pay the tithing to God. Genesis 14.20 says, And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave them a tithe of all. Deuteronomy 14.22, You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And here's the blessing from tithing. You heard me say it in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. When we obey the law of tithing, we are blessed. Man, do I, I just love talking about this. You know, Satan came to me, believe it or not, I had to ask Pastor T to pray over me before I came up here because I was having a back spasm. You know what that is? That is spiritual warfare. That's Satan coming back going, uh, you know what, let me get him distracted because this is a subject that people don't want to talk about. It says this, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove now therewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Maybe you are in severe debts and you wonder, how do I give away 10% of my earnings? Take a huge step of faith and do it sacrificially. And then you watch miraculously God unfold all kinds of cool things in your life. Okay, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close. This past week, I looked at my wife, and we're sitting down there. I go, no, it was on our way to church. And then I looked when it came to offering time. I'm like, I need you to give this little extra. So many of you know when we moved, we decided to put a pool in the backyard. Well, last year, the pool steps, they didn't work for us and all that kind of stuff. So I went to Lighthouse Pools, and I said, you know, I really like these steps. They're really nice. You can go down. We can sit on them, whatever. They're, they're heavy duty. They'll sink into the water, all that kind of good, happy stuff. But... When I looked at the price, I'm like, $499? These pools are outrageous. They're overly priced. Having a pool is just a waste of money. I've been saying that from the very beginning. But you know what? We made it last year, and it really didn't cost us all that much except for the chemicals. So I looked at it, and then we got this little thing. It says, on Wednesday and Thursday, if you come in, those steps will go down to $309. Well, I remembered that that was the sell, so this was on uh, Wednesday. 
I got up from my chair in the morning. My wife and I always have coffee together. And I got up, grabbed my cup of coffee. I walked to the sink. As I walked to the sink, I set down my cup of coffee. Are you guys getting the visual? Okay, I just want to make sure you're with me this morning. He set down the cup of coffee. God said to me immediately, Todd, go look on Facebook. Put in that little search bar, it says, Pull Steps for Sale. I'm like, okay. This is a true story, church. I turned around, walked back into the living room, picked up my cell phone, got on Facebook, and I put, Pull Steps for Sale. Blink. What was the first steps that were there? My blue steps that we wanted to buy there that were like $490 down to $309. And now that magical number came across the screen. Yours today for $150. That's not what it said. It just said $150. But in my mind, I'm like, this is amazing. And then immediately, God says, Todd, you've been faithful with little. I'll be faithful to bless you with much. Now, for some of you, you go, that's just coincidence. No, it's not. Because I was at the sink, and when I heard the voice of God, I reacted, I moved on it. And so I called that man up on the phone and go, first of all, I text him. Do you still have those steps? You know, I'm all excited. He writes back, yes, I still have the steps. Can you call me right now? No, I can call you at 5 o'clock. Now I'm just freaking out. Oh, no, it's like a race. Wait a minute. If God's in it, who shall be against us? Right? So if God's in it, those steps are there. What am I in such a hurry for? I will call you at 5 o'clock. So I called him at 5 o'clock. Sir, would you take 100? And he did. So anyhow, uh, so I asked Ron. I said, got to get that extra 50. And uh, so anyhow, Brother Ron, I don't have a truck. He, we went up yesterday. We picked him up. They're like brand new. That may be little to you, but it's a lot to me. That may just be a simple little story, and I can keep going and going and going and going and going. But what I want to tell all of you is this. You need to be free. So say this with me. I want to be free. Satan has all of us in bondage. He holds us captive to the debt and to bills and to things breaking down. I always say this. One man says to me, I couldn't tithe this week. I go, why is that? He said, because we can't afford it. By the time he got home, I called me up on the phone, and I said, what's going on? He goes, can you come and pick me up? My car broke down. How much was the bill? Oh, the bill was exactly what his tithe would have been. Isn't that amazing? Why do we need to give it to the local garage when we can give it to Jesus? Why do we need to give it to the local garage when we can give it to God? And then at the very end, he opens up those windows and he just pours and he pours and he pours and he pours. Listen, I am living proof. I have been a janitor for 22 years preaching the Word of God. I know, church. And so I'm here to tell you, you want your business to prosper. You want your family to prosper. You want your life to prosper. Get off your wallet. Isn't that neat? And I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching with you because, church, I love you and I want you to succeed. I want you to be free. And I want you to say, you know what, God? I love you and this is because this is my portion. And I love giving back to you. There's always blessings. Listen, when you take a step of faith and do it sacrificially, then you start to watch God do things miraculously in your life.
I don't care what it is. I always notice those little things that God does for me because I don't go, nobody's getting my tithe. Man, I, I just, I'll tell you, it's, it's amazing. So where do I give my tithe? The Bible says the storehouse mentioned by God are all God-ordained ministries. Storehouse is a place from where spiritual manna is being distributed. The fivefold ministry mentioned in the Bible of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are to be blessed and supported through our tithing. So I say this in closing. I love what the Reverend Billy Graham said. The Bible warns that money cannot buy happiness. And I know some of you in your head said, no, but it sure makes me happy. Money cannot buy true pleasure. Money cannot buy peace of heart. And money cannot buy entrance into the kingdom of God. If God has given you more than your neighbors around about you, dedicate your possessions to Christ. And realize that you are only a steward of what God has given you. And someday you will have to give an account of every penny you have spent. In the name of Jesus, I release you. In the name of Jesus, I release you from robbing God and just tipping Him at the dinner table. Today, I want you to do something. If you truly love God and you love serving Him, I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you've never done. I want you to think in your head, this is what I make. And I'm going to give because this is what God expects from me. Not, I'm not just going to throw something in there and you, wonder, and you wonder why so many things are going bad. No, you're going to give because you're doing the right thing and you're going to say, I'm going to do this because I want to increase in my faith. I want to increase in my spiritual life. I'll tell you this. I know for some of you that have shared stories with me, we could have a whole hour of testimonies of what God has done in your life because you've been faithful and you've given. And, and I re- we can rejoice over it, I can rejoice over it, but we need to get to a place where we realize that we're doing it because we want to do it. Remember what I said earlier. The Internal Revenue Service wants to know how you spend your money. But that is nothing compared to the books God is keeping. In Luke 18, 12, it says this, I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, Remember the words of the Lord when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, this has been actually an exciting and fun message for me today. Thank you, Jesus, because I'll tell you this. Stop blaming other people for why you don't give. Man, give over and above what God expects you. Because when you're done at that restaurant, I know that you've given more than 15% and 20% and 25%, all because you said, oh, I'm going to be accountable to Mr. Waiter or Mrs. Waiter when I come back to this restaurant. But what about this? When the great trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those that remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And we stand at the bema seat of Christ. And he starts to judge us on what we've done. Either we've laid up our crown of righteousness. We've laid up our crowns and our jewels. And they're there for us to be presented saying, Thank you for all you've done. Or your relationship with God 
you turn around and you go, why don't I have anything? It's because on this earthly life, which is just but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, then we realize that we've been selfish with what God has blessed us with. You know what I love? I love hearing when you can sell a business and that God will bless you because you've been faithful. Because you've listened to a pastor who said, I can't make it for the National Day of Prayer. And you fill in that spot and you say, I don't have 10% of my time to even give. I don't have 10% of my talent to give. I don't have 10% of my tithe to give. Quit saying that it's not the New Testament way when I just showed you that it is. Bring your tithes and offerings in the storehouse so that you too can be blessed. Because it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. Did you hear what I said this morning? Did you receive it? Hallelujah. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I've, I don't recall ever doing this be, at this church before. But as we all rise to our feet and as the praise team comes, maybe they don't want to come, maybe they want to have an attitude of, of, of prayer. But when was the last time that you actually prayed and said, God, I need you together. I'm going to get with my wife, my husband. We're going to pray. Maybe the figure that we've been giving, my faith promise, has not been where it should be. And today, I want to just, I want to do it more than I ever have before. Not just throw something because I got the guy next to me or to the right or the left looking at me or because the usher's looking at me. Just because, listen, we're a family. And how many of you husbands and wives will sit down with your husband or with your wife and say, here's where we're at financially this week. Be very careful what you spend. Be very careful what you do. We, we don't even have much money for groceries. Wouldn't it be great to hear a knock on the door because you gave and somebody says, I've got groceries for you today. man came to me and he said, hey, preacher, we have no money. I said, well, you tithe this Sunday and then you come to me as soon as somebody blesses you. So he came in here, he tithed, and he came running out of my office. He goes, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I go, what's weird? And he said, I've got to tell you, the money that I gave, a guy walked up to me and said, God laid it on my heart. Here it is. You guys, here's your money. And he goes, it was double the money that I just gave in the plate. It was double my offering. It was double my tithe. I can't believe it, preacher. Because you know why? Because God already knows your heart. He just wants to use you. I want to have a church that's not just churchgoers. I'm going to have a church where people are a part of the congregation that say, I give because I love giving. And when, when bike week comes, isn't that so funny? I feel like I'm in Daytona. When bike week gets here, and we start praying over these guys, we start praying over your safety as you travel on your bikes. And as the, as the gospel is preached, man, you just remember this. You reach down in your pocket like we saw at Easter when it was wall to wall and chairs were here. And that what you're doing and you're giving, you're giving so that somebody can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you come to him today? Confess your sins. Tell him, God, I'm sorry I've been robbing from you. Remove that curse from my life. Remove that curse from my life. And help me just to do it because I love you. Not because you love Pastor Todd or, or Miss Becky or anybody else. You're doing it because it's to God and that's it. Period. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let go of that ball and chain that has kept you from prospering and feeling blessed because Satan has you convinced you don't have to let go of what is God's. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our the spirit in this church. I thank you so much for this congregation and the spirit that's here. 
Lord, as I look around the congregation, I just, I love my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I just want them to know that they can live a life of freedom. You said for you know the plans that you have for us, plans, plans to prosper us, to give us a hope, to give us a future. And Lord, we can't do that unless we really get to the place where we get outside of our comfort zone. And we say, God, I'm going to do this because I'm doing it. It's the right thing to do because, God, you see my heart and you are keeping an account of everything that I do. Help us, God, not to be ashamed, but help us to receive the blessings that you have for us. Thank you for taking care of this ministry for 12 years. For those that have committed, that have tithed, and that have given over and above, even in their offering, Lord, we thank you for the the heart of love and the, and the cheerful giving and their obedience. So, Father, bless us today. Help us and grow us to be like you. Lord, we desire you. Speak to us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Lift your voice.